0: Welcome to the show today. It's me, Jeff, and I got a special guest today. We got Clint from Liberty Lockdown Podcast. Clint, welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Jeff. Happy to be here.
0: Oh, fantastic. Now, can you tell, us, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, Liberty Lockdown Podcast, you guys are pretty big. How did it all get started?
1: Uh, I was a private money mortgage broker and uh, entrepreneur. And when the lockdown started, I, I was no longer able to, in good conscience, invest my uh, investors capital into the real estate market. So I, I had done a podcast with some of my buddies for years prior, but it was just us talking shit to each other. It wasn't anything serious. And um, I got very concerned that, in particular, the Libertarian Party was not coming out and forcibly, vocally, loudly condemning the lockdowns and condemning where we are now, you know, and, and not identifying the obvious risk of allowing for further compliance and getting us down this path that we're now towards the end of. Um, so I started my show in May of 2020, and I had a small Twitter following, and I just started to tell people about it. And uh, less than a year later, I was on part of the problem with dave smith and i couldn't believe it so i don't know i don't know how i how i ended up where i'm at really other than the fact that i'm very passionate about what i'm doing and and what i'm talking about and uh it seems to have resonated with some people
0: that's fantastic and it makes a difference especially nowadays when so many people are against liberty and the philosophies and the actions behind it exactly i'm curious you said you couldn't in good conscience invest money in real estate anymore was that something to do with real estate specifically or with investing generally
1: uh i mean it's it's macroeconomic risk but it, it is largely predicated on the fact that they they locked down the economy and i couldn't know how they were going to try and paper it over you know i had no idea that they were going to end up printing and borrowing seven trillion dollars and doing you know PPP loans and and enhanced unemployment insurance and all these other things that they did to kind of keep the the house of cards standing. Uh, But basically because I'm a, you know, my, my investors hold the paper on these notes. We aren't, we aren't some conventional bank where I end up selling off the note to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. We actually hold this paper. We hold the note and we expect performance. And, and if your time horizon is two or three years and you're looking, you're trying to look out and see, you know, will I get performance from these investments? Um, Essentially, I concluded I can't know that anymore. I I felt far too, too much doubt to risk their capital in this environment. And as such, I stopped deploying it.
0: And that, of course, economically speaking, that's one of the hazards of the government making new rules to allegedly try to help people is that now you're not sure what new rule they're going to pass next, which is going to make all of your gains go away. And so people are hesitant to exactly. invest anything.
1: Yes. Well, and, and to the, to the opposite end of the spectrum for that problem, it also motivates people to make bad investments or what, you know, necessity economics folks would call malinvestment. And that's what we're witnessing is, you know, we have bubbles all across basically every asset class. And I don't have any interest in participating in that it is almost entirely predicated on, Record low interest rates, which are artificially held low by Federal Reserve manipulation, uh, as well as the government, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just too dangerous. Uh, so I'm trying to to liquidate my holdings, and uh, I'm encouraging my investors to do, to do the same. But ultimately, because People are chasing yield because you also have inflation that's occurring because of all the money that's being printed. It, it essentially creates an environment in which people are forced to invest in bad things just to try and stay ahead of inflation. It's a very dangerous recipe.
0: Oof, It's tough. So you're liquidating then not into cash, I'm assuming, or fiat at least, but like Bitcoin or gold? <laughs>
1: Well, my my belief is actually that there will be a deflationary bust before we have the ultimate death of fiat currency globally. Um, So I am hedging both ways. In case we go straight to hyperinflation, I'm interested in holding precious metals and cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, predominantly. And um, to the alternative side, yeah, cash. If if there's a deflationary bust, you do want to have some dry powder to be able to acquire uh, assets after they have been devalued.
0: Mm, It's a good point, hedging all the bets.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I, just because we can't know. I mean, we, we <laughs> the the Federal Reserve could come out tomorrow and hike interest rates by a full point and come, you know, have this entire thing come crashing down. So if you're going to be entirely in Bitcoin, in that environment, you would be slaughtered. Um, so, you know, if you're going to go all in, I wouldn't recommend
0: it. Hmm. Yeah, it's more of that uncertainty that the government creates, and no one knows what to do for sure.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Uh, speaking about that uncertainty. The COVID regulations, man, they've been doing crazy stuff. You know, you've been there from the beginning, mm-hmm. wear masks, don't wear masks, six feet apart. Oh, yeah, we, we just kind of made that up. There's no rhyme or reason to any of it. And I just saw California, they put out a report of the OSHA val- violations because, you know, they have all of this nitpicky stuff. Oh, you have to have this plan for COVID that has to have these exposure regulations and posted guidelines. And the Cal OSHA has been raking in hundreds of thousands of dollars in violations mm-hmm. of these rules that they just made up. And like, ah, can you, you already locked these people down for 18 months and now you're stealing their money for not doing these regulations that you just made up that you don't have any evidence is helping anyone. Mm-hmm. How much more anti-business can you get? Says, well,
1: in the state of California, that is the eternal question. How much more anti-business <laughs> can they get? Um, <laughs> I was a California business person and I closed my business 18 months ago. So uh, the answer is it's bad already and it's getting worse. And uh, I just fled to Florida. That's where I'm at in Miami area right now. Um, it's, it's horrific. You know, it's, it's my home state. I spent over 35 years there. I, I absolutely love San Diego in the Southern California area. And it's just tragic that we're ruled by such economic illiterates and dangerous tyrants and you know, that's unfortunately what the Californian people um, have been indoctrinated to, to believe is, is the correct path. And, you know, as someone who strongly disagrees, I had no choice but to flee.
0: I can't blame you in the slightest.
1: Yeah. Especially, I mean, <laughs> who could? <laughs> it's, it's brutal there.
0: <laughs> well, especially heading to Florida. And, you know, you hear stories in the news about, oh, death sent he's killing all of the old people but then you hear stuff on the ground from everyday folks and they're like, no, everything's, everything's fine. What's your opinion?
1: Oh yeah. It's nonsense. I mean, uh, the, I think Florida is in the lowest uh, 20% of fatality rate of, of any state in the country. So it's just a lie. You know, it's a lie that, that his management has been lackluster. In fact, he has one of the most elderly populations here. So those would be some of the most at-risk people and it's it's just a flat out lie i mean giving people autonomy and choice has proven to be a better way to go as you know many people of our ilk would have assumed from the beginning and many of us called for from the beginning uh, but it's now been demonstrated definitively to be accurate you know you have the sweden example and basically uh, you know norway any of the scandinavian countries have kind of taken a similar path and they are kicking the crap out of covid and many of them are completely back to normal now so uh, I think that it's, it's no longer a debate, you know, it, like before I was arguing based off of philosophy and principle, but now I can argue quite definitively that we were correct, that you should not have mandated our behavior, and we are paying a tremendous price because you did.
0: Mm. And it makes sense. A government bureaucracy can't know each person's or family's individual risk and how to best manage that. Only the individual, exactly. your family can. Like you said, the price has been crazy. And what I'm concerned about is that the government and the media are hiding the cost of that in order to push more and more regulation, more and more control. Oh, yeah. And that, that brings us around to the vaccine passport. And dun, dun, dun. yes, I know. I don't, I don't like this at all. I don't like people getting forced to get any vaccine, especially ones that seem to be a decreasing in effectiveness as time goes on. And I mean, the, the flu is bad enough. I, I work in healthcare, and we have to get the yearly flu injection. That's bad enough, because it's, you know, maybe 50% chance it's going to protect you for anything. Mm-hmm. But this one, I, it's even worse, and I'm, I'm not going to get it. So I'm, probably going to be looking for a new job in the next the next little while which uh, that's bad enough but now they're also talking a lot of cities are actually implementing where you have to have your injection papers in order to get into a grocery store or a sports event or any kind of public transportation and that that seems to me like really dangerous 1940s germany type of stuff not something yeah. to go down, but a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, well, and
1: I mean, there was a thread just yesterday from I think it was someone in God, I can't remember what country it was, but it was in Europe somewhere. I think it was Eastern Bloc, and and essentially these people can't work, they can't get food. Like the only way that they can function is to live off their cash savings and to go and purchase from um, you know street vendors. I mean, this is this is where they're at, and that's a level of desperation that will bring about revolutions and and i'm trying with all my might to prevent that you know because ultimately i am anti-war and i am a peaceful person and i do not want to have hot civil war over this nonsense but if you permanently alienate and segregate and create a caste system where 10 or 15 or 20 percent of americans are no longer allowed to function freely even close to freely in the government for employment in their decisions for their children, in their education. I mean, you are you are pushing people's backs to the wall in a way that is extraordinarily dangerous. And you look at Australia, you look at Canada, we know what's coming. We know the plan here. We know (laughs) it's not like some conspiracy theory. You you can literally look around the country or around the globe and see examples of the fear mongering, if you want to call it that, that I'm now delivering is that this is actually happening right now on this planet.
0: Yeah, do you
1: want that? So
0: the slippery slope has slipped. It's already exactly, there.
1: Exactly. And mm-hmm. and the uh, in my opinion our only answer to that is to refuse to comply. Um I know it's very hard. I know it's very contentious and I know that people do not like the fact that I'm being critical of people that are still deciding to comply because quote unquote they need to feed their kids. I understand the position you're in. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's necessary. If you don't want your kids to live in a world like that, it's necessary that you take the short-term pain in order to prevent a very, very dark future. Um, So I hope people will stand with us in this.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And that that has been one of the big battles for me because I do have three kids. Exactly. I'm the sole provider for my family. And it's the, you know, what am I going to do to feed them versus is this the kind of world that I want them to grow up in? Mm-hmm. And I can probably find something else to do to make money, but it's absolutely not the kind of world I want them to live in. So, a tough decision, but
1: exactly. And and, and that's the thing. People keep keep straw my position and saying that I'm making it sound like it's easy, or oh, you have it easy because you've already you know accumulated wealth and you don't have kids. It's like, look, I understand I'm in a fortunate position, but I also shut down a multi million dollar business eighteen months ago because of what the government did. I didn't have to. I could have continued to invest capital into that environment. I sacrificed a lot too, you know, and it's still not easy for me. If I go to places and they require a mask, I leave, you know, it's not fun. But these are the, I mean, these are the steps that we have to take, the sacrifices that need to be made simply because we are the few that actually understand the risk that we're in. Many, many people, probably the majority, don't understand the trajectory of what we're doing. For those that do, it's incumbent upon us not just to convey it, but to also walk the walk. And I'm thrilled to hear that you're willing to take that sacrifice and that risk. And I, I hope that we prevail to make your sacrifice worthwhile because it is a truly commendable one.
0: Thank you. Speaking of, of sacrifices, risk versus benefit, a couple of weeks ago, I was drawn to, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, a thread where you and Asarkist were discussing the, uh, not government-mandated vaccine passports, but private businesses. And right. the the tension there with Liberty folks, of course, very pro-private property and property rights. And mm-hmm. the argument is, well, these private companies are saying you can't come here if you're not wearing a mask or if you're not vaccinated. So that's fine. That's That's their right to do that, which is true as far as it goes. But to me, doesn't really solve it, leaves the issue there of this being something that's very, very wrong on the first on the face of it, not only for excluding people based on their own private information and decisions, but also because this is something that's been pushed by the government from the beginning. And that's why people are asking about it. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Can can you still hear and see me? Because my monitor just went out.
0: I can,
1: I can. <laughs> okay, great. Um, yeah, I mean, it. I, I, this is another thing where I think once again people are kind of strawmanning me and and making it seem as if I don't, I don't value private property rights. It's, it's obviously I do. I mean, it's almost the entire reason I'm a libertarian is because I do. But I also value my body as my property. So if you have an employer who is saying that they don't value my bodily autonomy and my medical health privacy. Um, I don't really respect that. And I don't respect your private property rights. If you're going to go that route, you don't respect me, I don't respect you. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a natural human instinct. I'm not saying it's even like a principled libertarian one. I'm just saying it's a human.
0: Whoa, giant lightnings.
1: That was lightning. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, That was like right behind me. That was intense. Uh, God, God is telling me I'm on the wrong path. Uh, Anyways. (laughs) Um, So yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's not that I'm saying it's an easy choice. And I'm not saying that, you know, if there was a private business that wanted to do this voluntarily, I wouldn't even have such a critique for it. The, The issue is, is that we can't know what's in the business owner's heart, because they are being compelled and coerced by the federal government to do this, particularly if you're an employer with over 100 employees, especially if you're a business that's been locked down for 18 months, and you can't And you're just barely hanging on by your fingernails. And now they're telling you, well, you know, we'll have city health inspectors come through if you don't mandate that your customers now have to prove vaccination status. Um, It's just a it's just a shitty position for everybody. So once again, I have sympathy for the business owners in that position if they are doing it against their will. That doesn't change the fact that I don't respect their decision if they choose to implement it. I do not. Um, And I think that we should make that vocally known.
0: Interesting. So. How would you counter the claim that, well, that's you are undermining private property rights generally by not respecting their decisions regarding their property?
1: Yeah, I, I think this is a an issue where people are kind of allowing our enemies to use our principles against ourselves. Um, they don't respect property rights. That's the issue is that, I mean, we had how many millions of businesses were were closed and many of them permanently closed by lockdowns over the past year and a half um that was your private property we allowed the government to close them down so now we're we're honoring private property oh oh lest i forget you also as a as a lender were not able to foreclose or evict so or or as a landlord you weren't able to evict or foreclose so these are private property in this country's dead I mean, if people if people haven't realized after the past eighteen months that like what our principles are are not what our enemies are functioning with, um, I think they're making a mistake. And and the only time they bring up private property rights is when it's to implement additional overreach and overstep of our of our rights. Um, so it's I think that it's basically it's manipulating libertarians and conservatives to uh defend things that they otherwise would not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if you want to take a totally principled stance and say, I'll respect whatever business uh doesn't allow me to come in, uh, I hope that you'll protest them. I hope that you'll you'll not patronage them, you know, not patronize that that company. Uh like you can still take a stand. Um, I personally just think that when it's this egregious, you know, sit-ins and things of that nature are justified. You know, if you were to say that uh, during Jim Crow, that a a restaurant, a restaurateur uh, was right to throw out black people, I would think that you're a bad person. I I stick with that same mantra today. I think that you're a bad person if you kick someone out for vaccination status. Um, And I think that it's totally justifiable from a libertarian perspective to tell them that.
0: Hmm. I like the point you made about the tactics that they use to try to turn their own philosophy of libertarians and even conservatives against them. It it makes me think of two people who are fighting and one is just going to do it strictly honorable old style boxing rules. And the other (laughs) is street fighting. I'm going to win by any means necessary. And it's, it's pretty obvious which one's going to come out on top in that situation.
1: Exactly. It's like guerrilla warfare, man. Yeah.
0: And an analogy that I thought of, as you say, you know, you can't tell if someone is wanting to do this voluntarily or if you know, they're doing it because they're being coerced by the government. I think we can pretty much tell because we've had pandemics and virus scares in the past, Zika and bird flu, but the government didn't make a big scare about masking and vaccination and nobody was requiring it. So I think you can tell from that at the very least, that it's because of what the government is doing that private businesses are requiring that. And, yeah. it, and refusing refusing to acknowledge, even if it seems like they're thinking that unless someone is actually being forced with a gun to their head, then they're doing it of their own free will. But that's not necessarily the case at all. It's like, like if there was someone, a woman is being abused by her husband or her boyfriend, and you ask her to leave and you get away, and, and she won't because she's scared of the person, but then just throwing up your hands and saying, well, I guess, I guess that's her choice. There's nothing we can do about it. Right. I don't think that's the right answer in that situation either.
1: Exactly. I mean, and, and most of the good libertarians understand that there is coercion occurring. All they're saying is that we shouldn't blame the victim of coercion. Well, my point is, is that if you have, say, a man who's standing there with a gun pointed at another man who's holding a gun, and then that man's holding a gun at you because they're being threatened by the other guy, I'm not saying he's as bad as the original guy that's making this happen, but he's also not my friend, <laughs> you know, because they are both jeopardizing my life. Um, now, now in this situation, it's not maybe my life that's being jeopardized, but it is certainly my liberty and my my pursuit of happiness, if you want to go very broad scope level on this um so you know i don't i don't really understand why it's such a contentious issue amongst libertarians i think that that we should be able to come together on this and identify that yeah that sure some businesses may be doing this voluntarily we don't have to respect it we don't we don't have to respect it there's nothing that says in libertarian code that we have to respect a business that does things we don't like Um, so let's at least come together on that and let let it be known
0: Mm, i like it so, then what what are some practical strategies that you can suggest for for implementing this kind of standing up and pushing back?
1: Well, I think I think the easiest, lowest level thing is to only give your business to places that don't require proof of vaccination. Um, you know, try and punish those that are, and and that will make a difference. Um, especially if enough of us do it, it could make a significant difference. But beyond that, you know, if you want to organize protests in front of the businesses that do it the most egregiously, I think that that could be really efficacious and helpful. Um, and if it gets to a level of ex, ex, you know, extremes where entire cities are not allowing for people to you know, eat inside unless they have a vaccine passport, then do what the French are doing. Go, go sit out in front of those businesses and eat in the street right in front of them. You know? And, and if, that, if that also doesn't work, then do sit-ins, you know, book things at restaurant that you could you could book a, a a whole restaurant out and then not show up, you know. Like you can punish these businesses in ways that mm. will be, I mean, maybe not totally principally libertarian, but my opinion is that it's not principally libertarian to live in a caste system or a segregated segregated society. So mm. I'm I'm willing to take some things that I probably wouldn't have done in the past and consider them deeply. Like sit-ins i didn't think that i would be in a situation where there was a huge percentage of the country that was not going to be able to you know be a customer for entire swaths of industry mm-hmm. so i'm reevaluating everything as we move along
0: yeah not only is not principle libertarian to live in that kind of a society but it's not according to libertarian principles i think to let your society become a caste system
1: i think that's that's a great point and and one that I think is probably my biggest critique for Ace and Drew is that I believe that them holding on to these principles so steadfastly and not not considering the alternative viewpoints here are very likely going to lead us there. Now obviously I'm not saying it's like oh it's their fault. I mean it's everyone's fault. Um but regardless if the libertarians can't be, you know, a stalwart that they can't actually stand up in this rocky sea and, and be, you know, that hope for Liberty. um, I don't know who's going to do it. So I think that that has kind of been my siren call that I'm just like, Hey guys, like, this is our opportunity to actually stand up for civil rights in the moment. And, uh, and let's not let us let it pass us by.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's, there's a place for philosophy and philosophizing, and then there's a place for tactics. What are we actually going to do about it? And tactics have to be based on the battlefields, and if if we lived in a perfectly free, anarchic, agorist world, then yeah, I think Ace would be absolutely right, spot on. And from mm-hmm. a philosophical point, yeah, he's there. But tactics-wise, you got to adjust to what's going on.
1: Exactly, a- Ace was essentially telling me that he would he would defend the business owner's right to kick out any unvaccinated person, and I said. I don't understand why you would defend them that like, that's where, that's where we are totally apart on this. There's not any world in which I would defend someone kicking out someone for some arbitrary reason. I mean, if they kick them out because they're a, uh, I mean, excuse me, I would, I would allow for that if it was just a one-off business, but if it's an entire city, I mean, we're talking about like people's entire options being eliminated entirely. This is not like, oh, you have one racist business owner that doesn't allow Mexican people to eat there, you know, in which case you just be like, all right, well, maybe I'll protest this guy or I'll, I'll never give him my business. But this is this is an entire like all of New York. I mean, this, this is really extreme. So uh, I'm not going to defend any business that is going along with, you know, overarching mandates like that. I just think it's it's very antithetical to our what we want to see in the world, even if it's not antithetical to our beliefs.
0: hmm. I think again, thinking of a perfect anarchic world, I can see places that allow for that where like a sovereign city, this is going to be our vaccinated city. If you want to live with vaccinated people come here, but suddenly changing all of the rules of where a person lives. And if you don't comply, you can't eat anymore.
1: Exactly. I can't get not, not, not exactly voluntarism. I mean, it, like, and, and this is why it's the the talk of secession is is increasing so rapidly. Is that people are starting to realize like we can't coexist because if if this is your requirement for me to be a free person in your area, well, first off, I'm not a free person, um, but also it's unacceptable. It's untenable. I can't do it. I won't do it. Um, and then additionally, I think it's extraordinarily naive to think that it ends here. I mean, we allow this to to happen and to be a precedent. I think that social credit scores are around the corner. Um, and I don't I don't think that we recover from that. So I am I am responding to this with a level of urgency that a lot of people probably think is too extreme. I would encourage people to look inside themselves and ask them if they are failing to respond with the level of urgency this deserves. Um, I think that it's the latter.
0: That's a good point. <clears throat> Definitely something that takes some introspection looking it like does. you said earlier where are we going? Is that the kind of world that I want to live in that I want my kids to live in?
1: Exactly. And and I I think that the answer, if people reflect on it honestly, and are willing to extrapolate just maybe one step ahead, ahead of where we're at currently, I think that they will agree with us that this is not a trajectory that is um, acceptable. And I hope that they can respond with urgency now so that we don't have to respond with violence later, because I really think that that's That's the path we're on, and I don't want that.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think think if they thought about it long enough and seriously enough, I think a lot of even conservatives and leftists who are pro-vaccine mandates would tend to agree with that. Because if you give the government power to do this for a vaccine or for a mask, they can do it for other things, too. They can do it if you're in the wrong political party, if you're in the wrong religion, the wrong race. You say the wrong things on Facebook or Twitter, like you said, with the social credit score. Yep. But they're only seeing, oh, this is a, a scary virus. And I don't want to be around people who haven't gotten a vaccine.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, unfortunately, many leftists are totally fine with everything you just described. Obviously, there are some that still value individual rights and privacy and things like that. And, and I'm grateful for them. And I, I hope that they'll be as loud as we have been about this stuff. Um, but the conservatives, in particular, that are realizing how corrupt the political system are, I really hope that they'll they'll be extremely vocal uh, about what's happening. Um, but ultimately, it just anybody that understands the trajectory of things, like no matter your political leanings, I don't really give a shit. If you're if you value freedom on any level, you should be my ally in this. Um so that's that's kind of the message I've been pushing is that you know it's going to require some unity and it's going to require mass non-compliance and when I say mass I don't mean 50% of the people I mean 10 you know if we could get 10% of the people to never give a dollar to a business that treats you like this that'll punish them very deeply um so we'll see time will tell
0: so I have an, another question on that with the actual actual tactics and implementation so I've recently been seeing a lot of places where they're not like checking papers at the door, but they just have like a sign on the window that says, if you are not vaccinated, you have to wear a mask, but like, they're not, they're not checking. So right. you can just go in. Is that the kind of thing you think you should do? Just, you know, go in without a mask, whether you are vaccinated or not, or they shouldn't patronize them either.
1: Oh, I think if they throw up, a- Signage, but don't enforce it. Then I don't have any problem with a business like that. They're probably doing it for liability purposes. It's the it's the enforcement that becomes the problem, and this is why I'm so critical of these businesses. Is that uh, the way I view it? They are they are operating as an enforcement arm of the state. I mean that that takes you out of private property, you know, clean private property rights, in my opinion, because you are now really basically being a police force to some extent you're you're doing and you're doing it against your will to a large extent i mean i'm sure most business owners don't want to kick out paying customers that's not that's not how you make money um Mm -hmm. so so the fact that they're doing it tells me that to a large extent it is against their will and i can't respect that and i'm not going to honor it and i'm not going to defend it um, but the the people that just throw up signage, but still allow you to come in and don't don't bother you about a mask, don't bother you about showing vaccine uh, evidence. God bless. I could care less.
0: It's interesting how you said they're kind of being uh, forced to be the police arm of the government. It makes me think uh, conscription was the word that came to mind to me. Like they're being conscripted into the enforcement arm of exactly. The state. And, and, and
1: here's a, here's a good here's a good uh, corollary if, if in an a conscripted soldier is at your door with a gun do you have a right to defend yourself
0: that's what i thought of too like you're gonna throw yeah. up your hand and say well you know it's, it's his it's his body and uh, yeah
1: it's against his will he doesn't want to be doing this i don't give a shit he's holding a gun you know like uh, now obviously that's an extreme example I, i'm not saying that that's what we're dealing with but um same same regard, you know, I, I don't respect it. I wouldn't respect a soldier that came and threatened my family. I don't respect a business owner that threatens my, uh, you know, ability to just live in a city. I think that these are things that, uh, you know, regardless of the, the coerced nature, nature of it, it doesn't justify their actions. And I, I hope that, uh, you know, if if we can come together on this, we can we can actually save those people too from having or not having to do it, but, you know, being in the position where they make this decision to do it
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, like you said it's going to be tough but I think I think it's worth it because at the same time denying business to the people who are being the enforcement arm who have uh, consented to that and rewarding with your business the people who aren't going along with it who aren't forcing you to wear a mask who just I'm, I'm going to do the minimum I'm going to post the sign and, and that's that mm-hmm. so no, yeah,
1: no and, and, and that's great. I mean, those, those businesses that are being courageous enough to risk fines and closures and all th- sorts of things, we should be supporting them as aggressively as possible. Um, so that's, that's my plan. Uh, I'll, do, I'll do what I can on, on my end. I'll organize protests if I can get people in the streets ever. It's very hard to get people off the couch these days. Um, but I think that, you know, all of us doing a little bit more than we're accustomed to. Is, is how we get our, ways, our, our way out of this. Um, so time will tell, but I, I'm, not, I'm not without hope, but it, it is dark right now.
0: True. I, I think that's a fantastic message, just doing, doing something. Because I think what the government is counting on is people just going along and complying. And even if it's just a little bit of resistance, even if it's just choosing the other store that doesn't ask for your papers, I think that's going to make a difference.
1: It does i mean if it's done in mass it makes a huge difference and um you know basically the more the more people ride with us on this the less ex- the less extreme we have to be you know maybe we can avoid sit-ins which is a violation of property rights but if we want to avoid that we're going to be stuck with mass protests in front of these business or you know mass uh just taking your business elsewhere um so you know it just it, it all depends i mean it, the the severity of our response is going to be predicated on how how many people are actually stand up in unison so i really hope that it's a lot of people so that we don't have to do anything extreme and we can just you know not take our business to these scumbags um so we'll mm-hmm. see we'll see
0: uh, it, it reminds me of of an infection you know the sooner you treat it the less intense the treatment has to be but you let it go on you got to do more to get rid of it right yeah, if we then, do then you're
1: looking at at chemo or, or chopping off a limb or something so yeah
0: yeah if we do little choices here choosing one business instead of another then it doesn't come to violent secession or revolution like you said at the beginning just not mm-hmm. not something we want Is that
1: <laughs> exactly desperately i mean i'm not some military guy i have no interest in any of that stuff so um i'm just trying to to uh, stem the tide of totalitarianism. Well, we can do it peacefully. And, and I feel like time is running out. And that's why I've gotten so engaged and so active and, and so much more verb or vocal about my opposition to all this is because I, I do believe that we are nearing a point where only violence will liberate us. Um, and I don't know where I don't know where that tipping point is. All I know is that we're, we're near the, uh, the apex of the pendulum. And I'm just like, man, you guys need to get serious about this right now uh, because the alternative is very ugly.
0: Heck of a lot nearer than we were two years ago.
1: Yes, uh, (laughs) exactly. Which is why I was just an entrepreneur working from home two years ago. And now I'm doing this. So,
0: Mm -hmm. Well, before we go, any, any final thoughts you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that uh, take take the spirit of of what we've discussed today, internalize it, think about it, and and try and get active. You know, if you see what we see, if you feel what I'm what I'm saying, um, don't don't get hopeless, but get take some of that rage, take some of that concern, and funnel it towards you know productivity. And I think that we have a chance to prevail, but it's it's urgent. And I hope that people will encourage their friends and family, anybody that's like-minded to, to join us in this fight, because it is truly life and death. I mean, if you allow this to happen and we get into a vaccine uh, you know, passport, uh, they're already talking about limiting travel. I mean, you can't even leave Canada or Australia without proof of vaccination. These are, these are precursors to genocide. I mean, that's, that's what they are. I'm not saying that's necessarily what's going to happen, but they are precursors to it. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so take it with that level of seriousness and respond in kind. Mm.
0: Good advice. So now where can people follow you, Clint?
1: I am at Liberty Lockpot on Twitter, Liberty Lockdown on Instagram, and Liberty Lockdown on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere else. Um, thank you so much for having me on, Jeff. It was really a great time.
0: Thank you, Clint. You have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for watching this video. If you like what we do here, please like, share, subscribe, comment, and go over to our website where you can offer donations, request help, help us help people who are in need voluntarily. And we'll see you next time.